Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Good morning, Lighthouse Church, North County. Pastor Joanna, thank you so much for such a beautiful introduction. Y'all's first lady is amazing. She is an amazing mom, an amazing wife. When I got off the plane today, um, after seeing, it has been about six years since we saw each other, and I just told her, I said, girl, what are you doing? Because you look amazing. And I tell Pastor Josh that you are very lucky to have such an amazing wife, amazing mom of her three little ones. So I am very honored to be the first guest speaker for Mother's Day at your new church. And it is such an honor and privilege to be able to come to you this morning. Um, And first of all, I just want to wish every mother out there coming from one mom to the next, happy Mother's Day. And I pray that you are being spoiled today, that you're being blessed, that your house is clean and your dinner is made. So have an amazing day. I want to tell you just briefly how um, Pastor Josh and Pastor Joanne and I met about six years ago up at the South Campus. And my husband, Adam, of course, like she said, is the worship leader at our home church back in Phoenix, Arizona, Dream City Church under Pastor Luke and Angel Barnett. And Pastor Tommy Barnett, we call him our Pope. They are amazing leaders, and it is such a privilege to serve underneath them. But about six years ago, as I said, up at the South Campus, Pastor Josh and Joanna's little cubs, we call them cubs. They were cubs back then and they're growing into amazing lions. But I want to show you these pictures that from six years ago on how small and precious they were. And as I saw them today, as you see on the screen, that's Jaden, who's now 10. And I showed him that picture today and he had the biggest smile on his face. And then the next little one that was just born is now six years old. And then the little cub, um, Jackson, he wasn't even around yet. I have my three youngest daughters with me today, and that's Bailey, Morgan, and Alexis. And six years ago, they were babies. Today, they are amazing young ladies that I am so very, very proud of. I am so honored to be the mom of four girls like she told you. And usually when people hear that I have four girls, the first thing they say is, bless your heart. And I turn that around and I say, yes, I do have a blessed heart. Because people associate having four girls with a lot of drama, a lot of attitude. And yes, we've had some. But you know, I believe what the Bible says, that if you discipline them and give them the rod early, It will not kill them, and so that's what I did. So I have absolutely obedient, respectful, pleasant daughters, and everywhere they go, people tell me, your girls are amazing. They're talented, they're musical, they're artists, they're athletic. I couldn't ask for the honor of having more amazing daughters. So I love you girls. So the picture of my family, um, again, we have Adam, of course, like I said, my husband, and he is a worship leader and one of the most anointed worship leaders that you'll ever meet. So that's him, no hair anymore, um, but (laughs) he still can really lead worship well. And next to him is Morgan. Morgan is our 17-year-old, and I am so thankful that she blessed her mama's heart today by leading worship with this amazing team. Thank you, Morgan. Next to Morgan sitting there is Alexis. She's our 14-year-old. And Alexis just finished up, um, or is finishing um, her 
middle school career online, of course, due to the COVID virus, and she misses her friends. She plays club volleyball, and of course, she misses that. I'm going to go back to Morgan for just a second because she is a senior in high school, and like another senior that I met today that is helping, it's been difficult for them because they're missing about the last nine weeks of their school. Um, they're missing their friends. They're missing important events. And I do hope that we are all praying and encouraging our young people as they navigate through this difficult time. Bailey is next. She's our 19-year-old, and she just finished her first year of college online at GCU. And then we have myself with more hair back then. And then we have my 27-year-old, Madison, and her husband, Brian, and they have been married for five years. I have a beautiful family, and I'm very blessed. Um, we started the tradition of wearing the matching pajamas for Christmas about six years ago, and so that's just our thing. So I hope you enjoy the picture. Amen. So again, happy Mother's Day, Mom. And um, again, it's such a great honor to be here with Lighthouse Church, North County. And Pastor Josh and Joanna were sharing with me that you celebrated your one-year anniversary back in March. Now, I know it didn't go according to plan, but I also know that you can look back and say, with wonder and awe, look what the Lord has done, and we are ready for more. And I promise you, God is ready to give you more. So stay encouraged, Lighthouse Church, North County, because this is just the beginning of greatness for you all. You are underneath the leadership of amazing pastors that have a heart for God. They have a heart for families. They have a heart for the city that they have been called to, to make Jesus known, to make him to be a light and a hope into this area. So I pray that you would continue to be behind them, support them, get behind the vision, get behind the dream, and let God show you that he can do above and beyond what you have ever thought, dreamed, or imagined. Amen? So let me pray. So God, I just thank you for this amazing time. Father God, again, we thank you for this day, for the ability to bless moms today, Lord. I pray that they would be encouraged. I pray that they would be uplifted. And Lord, I pray that during this time of being at home, maybe doing things differently, homeschooling, um, a little bit of everything, Father God, that you would let them know that you are pleased with them, Father, and that they would be encouraged. And sometimes that means encouraging ourselves. And so, Lord, we just thank you that we have that ability that we can count on you to be with us through it all. We love you so much, and I ask that you would use me today, Father God, to speak your words, to be your light today, Father God, and let it be all about you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as you sit on your couches at home, or whether you're maybe driving in your car, hopefully not looking at your phones, um, I do hope that this message would encourage you today, that you would be um, strengthened, that we would all glean wisdom from it. And as we go throughout this journey that I'm going to be taking you on, I hope that you will see that not only um, in motherhood, but in any area of your life today, that you're going to find a word in this message that's going to encourage you, that's going to empower you if you allow God to do the work in you that his word always does to make us stronger, to make us better, to make us hopeful. Amen. So my mes message today is titled, The Miracles and Messiness of Motherhood, which I'll dive into in just a second. But I did want to share just a little bit about me personally. Um, like Pastor Joanna said, I am a nurse. I've been a nurse for 30 years. And I am proud to say that um, 
This has been such a season for all of the healthcare workers, and I honor each and every one of my colleagues, the doctors, the first responders, the police officers, everyone, even like they said, the, the, the cleaning crew. We couldn't do it without each and every one taken apart to help us get through this crisis that we're currently in. So I am the youngest of seven. I had four brothers and three sisters for a total of seven. And I always say that being the youngest, you're able to kind of sit back and have a front row um, seat to what your older siblings are kind of up to. And you try to avoid their mistakes and try to make better decisions than they did. And that's kind of what I did. And so, like I said, with the messiness of motherhood, I did see my mom go through some messes as well as some miracles and as I got older as a teenager I'm sure I was the cause of some of those messes but I think mainly I gave her most of the miracles I like to believe that anyway my older brothers and sisters would probably say it wasn't true but I think I was the favorite so we'll just leave that right there but as a teenager especially when I was having a slight attitude or being difficult with my mom she would say both of these truths, and I want to tell you them. Number one, she would say, Benita, you will never understand how much I love you until you have kids of your own. And number two, she would tell me, your children are not going to bring you the greatest joys, which I call my miracles, and they're also going to bring you the greatest sorrows, which is the messes. So, therefore, my message is the miracles and motherhood of messiness, because we will experience both. Over the years, I've often heard myself say these same words to my children. So raising a 27, 19, 17, and 14-year-old, I have definitely had my share of both. I completely understand that intense love so well now, and I also have experienced, like I said, the numerous occasions of great joy, and I have to admit, there have been more joys than there have been sorrows. But I also realize as they get older, as life happens, I'm sure I am going to experience more. And I'm sure every mother that is at home right now, you can look at your kids and say, yep, I've been there. So um, I continually cling to the message that I got from John 16:33 as being a mom and raising kids. And this is Jesus speaking. John 16:33 says, I've told you all this, so trust in me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will, not maybe, you will continue on a continuous basis is what that means. It just won't be a one-time event to experience difficulties. Some translations say tribulations, trials, trouble, and sorrow. But take heart. That means have courage. Be confident. Be filled with joy. I have conquered and overcome the world. So no matter who you are, male or female, mom or dad, daughter or son, single or married, rich or poor, we have to hang on to this truth in every area of life as we continue to live in this godless world. We must choose daily to be in this world, but not of this world. But instead, we must be rooted and grounded in Christ and live according to his obedience to his holiness and righteousness, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. As we explore the miracles and messiness of motherhood and navigate through both, my prayer again is that we would all come away today with wisdom, compassion, and with the truth and love of Christ. 
So I did a little history on the study of Mother's Day because I really didn't know how it started, and maybe some of you didn't, but those that, that didn't, I want to share that, what, that, what I found out. So why, as a people in a culture, do we celebrate Mother's Day? And I know you are all thinking exactly what I'm thinking, because moms are the bomb.com, right? Am I right? Of course I'm right. But seriously, how did Mother's Day start? Whose great idea was it? So in my study, I found that in a Sunday school lesson at, back in 1876, a young girl named Anna Jarvis found the inspiration for Mother's Day as her mother, who was teaching the Sunday school lesson, closed with this prayer. I hope and pray that someone, sometime, will found a memorial Mother's Day commemorating her for the matchless service she renders to humanity in every field of life. She is entitled to it. Wow, what an epic and totally accurate prayer. And every mom sitting on the couch at home, look at your kids again and say amen. So with the divine power of God, who is the creator of every life, of every egg and every seed, mothers have birthed every human life on this planet. They have raised from birth, adoption, or through surrogacy, every world leader, every president, every king or queen, every activist, every police officer, every nurse, doctor, scientist, astronaut, firefighter, and the list can go on and on. It is truly a miracle that God chose mothers to bring life that he creates into the world. So back to Anna Jarvis. Her mom died on May 9th, 1905, and on May 10th, 1908, Anna held a memorial for her mother and all mothers making the first official observance of Mother's Day. Six years later, on May 9, 1914, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday as Mother's Day. I would have to imagine that Anna Jarvis was so pleased that she was able to see her mom's prayer answered after 38 years. But sadly, this daughter, out of a pure heart and a sincere desire to bless her mom and all moms, was eventually faced as well with the messiness of motherhood after what could be considered a miracle of birth in a national holiday. What Anna had hoped to be wholesome, pleasant, and joyous turned into disenchantment with the ever-increasing commercialization of Mother's Day by the floral companies, the candy manufacturers, and of course, the greeting card companies. Sounds familiar, right? Think of how the world celebrates Easter, how they promote it. They promote chocolate bunnies, the Easter bunny, and peeps, totally ignoring the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who died a violent death and crucified for the sins of the world. And then you have Christmas. It's all about the decorations, the lights, the presents, the parties. It's about Thriving Thursday, which I think I invented this saying, so I'm going to go ahead and market that. Black Friday and Cyber Monday is certainly not focused on the birth of Christ, the Christ who willingly left heaven perfection to come to a world that he knew that he would later die for. So yes, Anna Jarvis was disillusioned. She was hurt and even angry. And she took action. In 1943, 35 years later after Mother's Day was proclaimed, she organized a petition to rescind, to take back, to cancel, and to make void Mother's Day. But the people connected to those industry, industries, the candy, the floral companies, the gift card industries, they all banded together 
and they had Anna Jarvis committed to a sanitarium because they said she must be crazy if she thought she was going to mess with our money. It's a sad way to end of something so beautiful on how it started. They had her committed and even paid the bills to keep her there, and that is where she died five years later in 1948. Anna Jarvis's miracle for mothers turned into a mess. I'm sure you're asking why the sad history of Mother's Day on this day committed to experiencing and showing expressions for our mothers, and it should be joyous, and which it is, because those gifts in itself, they're amazing. Mothers so appreciate any gift that they get from their kids that express love and gratitude. And to be honest, if I'm speaking as a mother, the gratitude and the love is all we really need every day of every year. The gifts are just the icing on the cake. So to answer that why of why I shared this story with you that ended kind of tragically, I wanted us all to know that and be reminded and encouraged that even the best intentions and actions can end with heartache, loss of dreams, hope, and peace. I'm sure we have all found ourselves in that space a time or two, and we probably have several t-shirts that say, it wasn't supposed to turn out like this. I also wanted to express compassion and empathy to those of us who have lost at the miracle of motherhood and live with the messiness, either because of miscarriage, infertility, or loss of a child in any manner. You are not forgotten today. You are still a mother. Today for us, it's one of the most difficult and painful seasons of the year. The memories and feelings of loss, of pain, and grief can overwhelm. And the thoughts of why me, and if only, can torment. I can share this myself because I have experienced both of those. In 1992, um, when I was pregnant with my first daughter, Madison, was so exciting, my first child. Um, and about eight weeks into the pregnancy, I started experiencing signs and symptoms of a miscarriage. So, of course, we immediately rushed to the doctor and an examination with the ultrasound. There was a beating heart, but there was also an empty sac. So I was carrying twins with Madison, and the other one didn't make it. So, yes, I've experienced that loss. And then in 1999, Adam and I were married in October of that year. We um, had just found out in December of 1999 that we were expecting our first child together. The very next day when I went back to work at the hospital, I buckled to my knees right there in the operating room and in the most intense pain besides childbirth that I'd ever experienced. And I remember my anesthesiologist, his name was Dr. Thacker. He looks at me, he said, Benita, are you pregnant? I said, yes. I said, we just found out yesterday. He said, I think you're having an ectopic. If you don't know what an ectopic is, that means my pregnancy was developing in one of my fallopian tubes, which makes it very dangerous and it makes an unviable pregnancy. So within the next several hours, that was confirmed and I was on an operating room table, hoping that my tubes would be safe and I do thank God that they were. So yes, it was sad and um, I always believe that was probably our boy and I plan on finding out, of course, when I get to heaven, so we'll see. And then there's a saying, you can't lose what you never had. Here, I speak specifically to infertility, and I call out the misconception in that saying. See, God created female. He created her to reproduce life, to be fruitful and multiply. He placed life in her, 
He placed it in her from the moment of conception with over two million eggs, each representing a human life. I want you to wrap your head around that. At birth, a baby girl is born with two million eggs. That's just incredible. And I do believe that all little girls, at one time in their life, especially as a child, they dreamed of being a mom. We played mommy with our baby dolls, with our pets, and with our stuffed animals. And some of us even had real-life babies and younger siblings. Now, for me, I had a real-life little niece that was born at seven, um, when I was seven, to my then 15-year-old sister. So you can imagine some of the messiness we had in our family during that time. But the miracle at the end was such a blessing. The desire to be a mother, I also believe, is in us, placed by God. We are by nature nurturers, we are protectors, and we are um, caretakers. And I believe those attributes deepen as we mature into young adults and into women. So because he created us with reproductive organs that all miraculously work together, being incapable of conceiving, it's not just a medical condition. No, it's a heart condition that causes what Proverbs 13:12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We can see this sickness of heart with Hannah in the book of 1 Samuel 1.10 that says, Because she was barren year after year, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. anguish. Now the messiness was present in Samuel's other wife that had already bore him two sons. And in 1 Samuel 1.6, it says that she provoked Hannah so severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. Now, in today's world, the vast majority, we don't have two wives that are competing to have kids or provoking one another. But I want to show you this compelling illustration that hit me really hard in the gut of how innocently and unknowingly we can be that messy wife. Oh my gosh, y'all, I cannot read that small writing. <laughs> I wanted to be able to read um, what was on there. Um, but some of the questions I'm just going to um, tell you, it's asking questions like, don't wait too long to have kids, or when are you going to have kids? Or as a um, grandmother, it says, when are y'all going to give me grandbabies? And then another one says, oh, you don't know what it's like having kids. You wouldn't understand. And then another one says, I think, um, you don't understand why you, you know, you can kind of get up and go and do what you want to do because you don't have kids. Well, at the bottom of that, you can see the multiple pregnancy tests because this woman is grieving every time she gets a negative pregnancy test that she has not been able to have a baby. That's the hurt that I'm talking about. So when we ask these questions, we don't know the journey these women are going through. We don't know where they are in their miracles or in their messiness. And so when we ask these questions, we are inflicting pain on something that we have no idea someone is going through. So I wanted to say today and apologize to all those women that have faced these questions and that hits you in the gut and your heart breaks, that we are sorry. And I pray that we, everyone, will start to think before we ask these questions to women that we don't know what their history is like, we don't know what their desires are, and that we don't know what their medical condition may be. Or they may simply just not be ready, but it's not for us to judge and to ask, you know, what are you waiting on or why or why, because we don't know their why. And so believe me, I know, because from the day my daughter was married at the age of 22, 
I was that mom asking, when are you going to give me your grandbaby? So the answer to that was, well, we want to wait at least two years, you know, maybe travel, have some fun. Even though they had already been dating four and a half years, I'm like, what, what more do you need to know about each other? Let's have babies. But they waited. But then on September 2017, the tears of joy flowed as they announced that they were expecting. But then two weeks later, the tears of sorrow flowed as they suffered a miscarriage. But then the real struggle began. Madison, of course, you know, after having a miscarriage, if you don't know, you usually wait about three months before you start trying again, just so your body can reset and that you can get a um, more, I guess, even in a mental place of getting over the loss, which you really never get over because you've been a mom and that loss will always be there. But people do. They said, oh, just get over it. You'll have more, you know, and that's what even I said, oh, baby, it's okay. Try again. I've had a miscarriage trying to encourage her. You're going to have more babies. Well, as they continued to try, time grew from three months to six months to a year. So during this time, they sought medical advice. And Madison was diagnosed with uh, premature ovarian failure, which meant that at that ripe age of 24, her ovaries were the age of a 40-year-old, unable to produce eggs to be fertilized to have kids. She was devastated. She began to doubt God. She began to doubt his love for her. This little girl that it grew up praising and worshiping God no longer knew if God was for her. And she would ask me, why would a God that loved me, why would he do that to me? And as she asked me these questions, I had to ask myself, how can I answer that? Because I was hurting too. Because as a mom, your kids' dreams are your dreams. So not only was her dream felt like it was gone, but also my dream of becoming a grandmother. But what I told her, that I was going to continue to pray, I was going to continue to believe, and I was going to continue to hope enough for both of us until she found the strength to get that hope and that belief back. And as parents, that's what we do. We keep praying, we keep believing, we keep hoping for our children because we love them more than anything else in the world. And so that's what we did. So for two years on our nightly prayers, my girls and I and Adam, we prayed the prayer every night for God to bring healing, for God to touch her body, to bring life into it, to defy what the doctor said, because he is the ultimate physician. He has the final word. And yet, if we believe that he can, he will. But we have to have that belief. And like I said, because she didn't have that hope enough, we chose to intercede and believe enough for her. So as I put up this next um, picture, it shows you that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. So Madison is now <laughs> carrying a little girl of her own. She is 27 weeks, and God did that because he is the creator of life, and he can speak into anything that is dead and make it live again. And so the next picture shows her with her adorable belly. <laughs> I want to show you that. Oh, that's my Madison. And I'm just telling you, every time I see her, every time she comes over to the house, my eyes well with tears because of the joy that I feel because I know that I know that God did that. Yeah. No one else can take the credit for it because he is the creator of life. He created her eggs. He created that which she is carrying in her body. She is carrying life. And I'm so thankful. 
So her sweet girl is due to deliver on July the 29th. And needless to say, we are all rejoicing and we are all so happy. Also, Hannah, as she continued to pray and seek and wait on the Lord, she too birthed her miracle. And so I'm here to tell you today that we serve the very same God who has the power to make all things possible if only we believe. If you are watching at home right now on your couch and you are going through and still waiting on your miracle, not just in your womb, but in any area of your life, that you are trudging through the messiness of pain, of disappointment, of sickness or loss or grief, Whatever it is that you are going through, I want to encourage you, don't stop praying, don't stop hoping, and don't stop believing that God is for you because he truly is. I want you to go back to Proverbs 13, 12, and let's focus on the promise at the end. It says earlier, like we said, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but whenever there's a but, you know God is about to turn something around. So it says, but when, not if, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. And y'all, I look at that as a tree of life because it has those deep roots. Life is rooted and grounded in the word of God. And that one desire, when it comes, it will bear fruit and multiply just like the branches of that tree. Amen. God is all about speaking life into dead and hopeless situations. Any situation that we are willing because it is truly our choice to surrender at his feet he can breathe life on it to make it live again. I have come to realize in my 52 years of living, and especially the last 22 years being saved, that great rewards and lessons are gained in miracles as well in messiness. Faith, trust, and joy are built in the miracles and in the messiness. Love, that unconditional love that you didn't even know you had, is built in miracles and messiness. In messiness. Patience and perseverance is built in miracles and messiness. And most of all, our prayer life and our utter dependency on God is built in the miracles and in the messiness. So y'all, can we just be real and agree that life is hard? Yet we have any time, right on time, access to his promises that are found in the word of God. Like Psalms 55:22 says, so here's what I've learned through it all. Leave all your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord, and measureless grace will strengthen you. Verse 23 says, life's hope and trust, my life's hope and trust is in you, and you will never fail to rescue me. Y'all, that is some good news right there. Through it all, leave it to Jesus, and his grace that is measureless will keep us, and he will never fail us and will always rescue us. Thank you, Jesus. As I close, I want to invite the worship team back up as we submit all that we've learned from God, all that we've gleaned, all that he's placed on our heart to just let that sit there. On this special day to honor Mother's Day, I thank God he created, chose, and trusted women to bring a life into the world that he uniquely weaves together in a mother's womb, skillfully shaping something from nothing. I thank my mom, her mom, and so on and so on, as we all do, for being the mom that brought us to this very moment in history. 
even everything that we going, are going through right now, we have the hope and the assurance that God is going to see us through it because he has to, because we've already won. He said that the battle is mine and it's already victory in him. So no matter what this virus does, no matter what the law says, we are the victorious in Christ Jesus. Amen. So as moms, I end with saying we carry so much love and concern in our hearts for our children. And we unselfishly sacrifice until we usually have nothing left to give. We pray for them. We fast for them. We endure and we overcome. And we never give up. We continue to hope and believe for goodness to be in them and for them to be surrounded by goodness. We do our best to protect them, especially when they're younger and when they're underneath our roof at home. But of course, as they get older and go into adulthood, all we can do is pray that they would choose to stay away from evil and harm and danger, and that they would serve the Lord with all their hearts because it is truly the only way that we can experience the life that he has for us. So why do we do that as moms? For the very same reason that God gave his son, because of love. Because of love, he gave his son for you and I. God sacrificed and he gave. And because I fiercely love my children, I would give my life for them. I would step in front of the bullet or step in front of the train for them, for my children and my granddaughter. I would even ingest the coronavirus on avocado toast today for them to keep them from being exposed. I would do that because I love them. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's own life for his friend, for his daughter, for his son, for his grandchildren. So I ask you today, and I thank you as moms, keep your hope alive. Keep going forward. Keep praying for your kids. Do you have a prodigal? They're coming back. Don't give up now. Don't give up ever because it shall come to pass. And you are a woman of God. You are strong. You are doing things well. Encourage yourself when there's no one else around. Get in your word. Find those promises and hold tight to them. And I ask you today, Father God, that you would encourage all of us as moms to keep raising warriors for you, to keep raising mighty lions, to keep raising those arrows that are going to be shot out to the world to bring glory to your name. I thank you, Jesus. And so Lord, we just thank you right now as I pray for everyone sitting at home right now. I pray that this word will sink deep into their heart, Father God. I pray that whatever difficulty that is going on, whatever hurt, whatever loss they are experiencing, whatever grief and disappointment they are feeling, let them know that you are holding them, Father God, that you care deeply for their hopes and their dreams, that you feel their hurts and their disappointments, Father God, and that you will be with them through it all. So, Father God, as we cast every anxiety and burden upon you that feels so heavy to us, you said that we can give it to you and it will make our burdens light. So we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this day and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.